messages every week are on the BigBearChristianCenter.org website, and they're archived back for many, many moons, forever, I think. And so you can, if there's a message you missed or just want to go and relive one, you can go do that. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's pray. God, I thank you what you are doing in our midst. I thank you what you're doing, God, today, Father, in our hearts and our lives. Lord, we see a need to raise up the body of Christ. God, we need to reach the lost. The disciples need to be made. We need to grow in our faith. And we thank you that that's happening. God, even through this body here, God, that we're reaching out in different parts of the world to touch them. Continue to lead and guide us as a congregation. Continue to lead and guide us individually. Father, this morning I pray an anointing upon the Word. Open up our hearts, God, this morning and and get a hold of us once again. Get a hold of us. Show us the things that you have and help us to grab hold of it strongly. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Last week we were in the book of Nehemiah talking specifically about Nehemiah's vision to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and all the things that that entailed. And Nehemiah really was a visionary. He saw something that was beyond himself that needed to be accomplished. And we, we, we looked into a couple of the different things about having a vision. One of the things that it takes to have a vision, which is different from a dream we talked about, is that you have to see a need. And Nehemiah saw the need that the walls were broken down, that they needed to be restored, that God's glory needed to return to Jerusalem. So he saw the need. But beyond that, we read in in Nehemiah 1 that he felt the need. It was more than just seeing something happen. He felt what was going on. He wept bitterly because of the state of Jerusalem. And he began to share the need with God. He began to pray about it. God, help cause these things to happen. He shared the need. So he saw the need. He felt the need. He shared the need back to God. And he shared it to those around him. And he built up a team that would pray and eventually go with him back to Jerusalem, a thousand miles from Susa. And then he met the need. He met the need through God answering things. But it was way beyond him. What was needed to happen in Jerusalem was beyond him. He needed so much but he was involved in it. That's what we talked about last week. And this morning, I want to talk about the importance of a vision in every one of our lives. Every one of us need to, to have a vision that we're, we're living and being part of. And I understand that there's so many different parts of your life and of my life that we're going to have a vision for. We'll have our personal visions. We'll have visions individually. I, I, I have a vision that my children will one day be adults serving God with children serving God who are my friends. My children will grow up and we'll be friends serving the Lord together. Because the vision of, the the goal of child rearing is that you're not raising children, you're raising adults. And so if you look, if you don't look beyond, you'll only have children. And they'll be adult children. I, I have a vision that they will walk with Jesus. I have many visions and you do too in your life. This morning, we, but we need to understand we have to have vision for so many parts of our life. 
we, for our children, for our employment, for, for the kingdom of God most important. And that's what we want to talk about. Proverbs 29.18 is, is the passage that is, is the springboard because it's so important. Without a vision, the people perish, the Bible says. And there's a couple other great translations I found. The New Living Testament says, When people don't accept divine guidance, they run wild. When people don't accept divine guidance, when they don't accept the vision that God is trying to give them, they run wild. And wild animals, wild things, they just go here and there, and they have no rhyme or reason. The American Standard Bible, one of my favorite translations of this passage, very accurate, says, Where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. They cast off restraint. They're not restrained to do anything. If they don't have something they're living for, a vision, they'll just go and do whatever they want. Isn't that true? <laughs> now these, these, are, these are truisms. They're not just uh, you know, designed just for the people of God. These are true statements. The Young Literal Translation, this is a very interesting translation. I've never seen it. Without a vision, a, without a vision is a people made naked. You heard that one? <laughs> Without a vision is a people made naked. And, you know, you can go, wow, what does that mean? You know, there's, you have, you, there, there's shame. You can't go out freely and do anything. That You're, you're stripped away of, of everything. You have nothing. You need focus. Where there's no vision, the people cast off restraint. We need to understand and, and begin to, God, give us a vision. We need to reach out. Get a hold of God and the vision He has for us. I was thinking this morning in the preparation yesterday and, and throughout this week as this has been just stirring in my mind. And I'm sitting in, in a room full of people who had vision and are continuing to have vision for their lives and ministry. But just some people through the scriptures, and I we could go on and on, but of course, you know, Jesus had a vision. Jesus had a vision that we would be his children. He had a vision that saw us in heaven with Him. It says that He came to seek and save that which was lost. He had a vision that the lost would be sought out and saved. And because of that vision, the Bible says that He, for the joy set before Him, there was something in His vision that says there's joy at the end of this, and that is that my children will be with me. And because of that, He endured the, li- the life on earth. Vision helps us endure the difficult times on this earth. Without it, we, when the difficulties come up, we just we quit. And often we'll quit and we'll change vision. We'll say, well, that, that vision was too hard. I'm, I'm going to go over here and maybe try this vision for a while. We try on different visions. Paul, you know, specifically, I don't know what Paul's vision is, but I guarantee you he had one because he endured so much. He went... Far. And he knew, one of his visions is that he knew that he had to go to Rome. So he wasn't done. Every time things would come up, he goes, no, life isn't done yet. I'm going to continue on. And he built churches and he planted churches. And, and he won half of the world to Jesus through his church planning and ministry. Joseph had a vision. Actually, he interpreted a vision for somebody else. And then he got his own. God gave him an interpretation of a vision, and then he had a vision that they could store up food. And because of his vision and work, he saved the world. Egypt and the surrounding nations came, and he fed them in the lean time. 
Esther was put into a place from obscurity, raised up into a place of influence. And she had a vision that her people would live. And so she risked her life. There was the, the movie, uh, um, was it A Night with the King? A Night with the King, and it's, and it's extra biblical. There's extra stuff in there. But, but it just gives that picture of her just vexing over the, the idea that she had to go in, in front of the king, unsolicited, because she had a vision that her people would not perish from the face of the earth. And to the point that she came in, and, and in the movie she pushes open the doors, and she walks in, and, and she kneels down, unless the king put out the scepter, she was a dead woman. And boy, I believe in the movie, she was raising up the sword. She had a vision. She pushed through her own fears. She says, I could die doing this, pray and fast. She pushed through on her vision. Without that vision, the people would have perished. Joshua, he went in twice into the promised land and he had a vision. The people could take it and rest and finally be in Canaan. And he pushed through his vision. He saw final, finally rest that he could go into Canaan. You know, he never fully had and lived in his vision of the people fully taking the land, but he pursued it. And he was successful as long as he was pursuing the vision that God had given Abraham. Abraham had a vision that he would be a father of many nations. God told him that. And he tried to do it his own way, and God corrected him. He says, no, it's going to be through Isaac. So Abraham, even at the possibility of losing the integral part of the vision, I will be the father of many nations through Isaac, was willing to sacrifice. The hard time. Vision takes sacrifice. It takes endurance. But without that vision, people give up. They cast off restraint and nothing is accomplished. Too many people are running wild today because they have no vision and purpose for their life. Too many people are casting off all restraints and they're living for themselves. They're unrestrained. The economy, the place that we're in as a nation, it's crazy. And it's because people are unrestrained. They're greedy. They want. They spend over what they have. They're unrestrained. Their vision has not kept them secure into what they needed to do. We're living in a, in a generation of true wrong vision or visionless people. We've traded in the wrong vision. Some people, they had a vision, but it was just to amass wealth. Last week, we talked about a God vision is not going to be about us. It's going to be about other people. It's going to be a need outside of ourselves. God visions are about the kingdom of God. They're about other people. They're not focused on ourselves. Recently, I've even got a little confused in the difference. I was even, I believe, sidetracked in, in, in understanding the difference between vision and goals. See, vision is deep. Vision is of God. There are some things, and we, in order to accomplish a vision, there's going to be some goals along the way. But we need to get the vision, the deep burning inside of us, that all we know is, I know what's supposed to happen. I'm not even sure for sure how we're going to get there yet, but the vision is out there, and I see it, and I'm going to begin to focus on those things. And in the process, we'll come up with some goals. We'll come up with some strategies and some steps. But the strategies and the steps and the goals are not the vision. The vision is bigger than that. 
And I was even sidetracked and focused on too many goals rather than the overarching vision. What's the, what's the difference between strategies and vision? I was sidetracked into strategies to reaching the vision. You can even allow principles to blur, to blur your vision instead of support it. You have a vision to drive somewhere. We'll say to LAX in a couple of weeks when I drop the family off there. And my principles are follow the speed limits, drive on the right side of the road, don't talk on the cell phone, and I'm following my principles. I will be safe, but I may not get to my destination. The principles support your life, but you have to keep the vision in front of you. Otherwise, you may be driving in the wrong direction doing good things. What is God speaking to you? What is God speaking to to us? In this body, God has given us so many things and He's he's put together. I I marvel at at what God has has brought out of this congregation. There are, from from when Travis and I were were growing up and and coming through the youth group in that era, era, there are no less than four pastors from a very small group of people. On top of that, there are a couple more that were missionaries. God has done some amazing things in here, and He's not yet done. He is so not done. There's that song, No Greater Things Are Yet to Be Done. The city, God of the city, there is so much more coming. God is breathing and speaking. We've been speaking over the past months, and we went through a series about our values as Big Bear Christian Center, understanding these are the values that we believe, that we promote, and we believe should be things that drive all of us. We talked about, and we did a series on the Bible is our authority. The Bible needs to be our authority in life. Prayer is our means. Dependency on God, it's our posture. Restoring relationship between God and man is our passion. Love is our motive. Service to God and others is our expression. And His promise to return is our, is our urgency. These are incredible statements that God breathed. Pastor Jeff put down on paper and we just they were just the things that we follow. But it was great to have them out. And we can follow these things and miss our vision. Because these are principle-guided things. But these will support us getting to the vision correctly, but they will not give us the vision. We, this is a cell church. We believe that, that we should live in community. And we, over the years, we've, we've transitioned from a, what we'd call a program church to where everything is focused on, on life happening in small groups. If you haven't caught, we've you know life groups and leaders, and you know, Matthew was our spotlight of the week. He's leading a children's cell, and each week he's he's ministering to eight to twelve young people, young kids. We believe in 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 small group ministry. And a while back, just uh, I believe it was last October, we we formalized a a belief a statement that says at the core of Big Bear Christian Center, our life groups, 
of 3 to 15 people that meet weekly throughout Big Bear Valley. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, through prayer, their purpose is to make disciples through spiritual growth, community, and evangelism, resulting in group multiplication. It's, just, it's, a, it's a pregnant paragraph. And these are our core, these are talking about our core values and what's driving us. But there's still a bigger vision on top of that. Can't get lost even in this definition. What is the vision? What is God saying to us? And I've had a lot of things in my mind and I finally began to pen them down. So I'm just going to read this. Because this is what I see. I see hundreds of people Singles and families, young and old, growing in Christ, being discipled and discipling others themselves. Here at Christian Center, I see them grouped together, each living in community. Part of something great. Part of something huge. But also part of a family. Part of a family close enough to have refrigerator rights. Close enough to even have tool rights. Come into my garage and bring a tool. Borrow a tool. Because I know you're going to bring it back. We're close. We're family. In my house, I try to, I try to encourage this. The first time you come, I'm going to get you a glass of water. I'll get you what you want. The next time, you're on your own. Because we're family. You know, when we have life group, I hate people knocking. No more knocking. Because we're family. If the door's locked, go away. <laughs> but we're part of a family. I see scores of youth. Scores 20, in case you don't know. Four score in seven years. That was 87, right? Scores, scores of youth. Solid in their faith. Solid in their families. I see them playing. I see them growing. I see them laughing. They're already saved and they're being discipled. I see them going on mission trips. I see them hanging out with one another because they're, the, they're, they're beyond just people that go to church together. They're friends. They're conquering the world together. They're living life together. I see them serving the local body because it's their family. That happened this week. We put in a lot of hours to move somebody this week. And the youth were out there helping. They were out there and they busted. Man, it was crazy and it was a wonderful time. And it was so good to see the young people out there being involved. The youth group, was, it was great. Thank you so much. And they, they didn't even get any paid. They got some pizza and some donuts. Usually that's what youth will, if you feed them and give them a donut, they'll do almost anything. <laughs> I see life groups meeting together and I see celebration services, both, where each person comes hungry for God. They actually come because they're hungry for the things of God. And I see the Holy Spirit moving in our services and in our life groups. Each person bringing a gift a spiritual gift, some bringing a prophetic word, some bringing a prophetic song, some coming with a gift of healing, 
others with the gifts of faith and miracles, and I see it. I see people bringing their gift of service and helps and hospitality. They're working on the facilities, and they're out there shoveling snow, and they're fixing things, and they're going to the houses of the people in the body of Christ that need help, and they're using their gifts. I see multitudes praying for one another. And I see the prayers being answered. I see miracles happening. I see the lost being saved. I see the lost being saved. I see the disenfranchised. Those who've left the body of Christ because of hurts. I see them returning to fellowship. I see them being welcomed back into the body of Christ. And grounded once again. I see family units being healed, strengthened. I see parents becoming better parents. Raising kids in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. I see see these things in in my mind, in my vision's eye. And I look out here and I don't see it. But my vision is bigger than me. And it's not here. It's out there. It's going to come. God is stirring that vision up. And it's way beyond my reach. No, I can't make any of it come to pass. Do you hear all that? I can't make any of I can't make that come to pass. But I can do a few things. I can do a few things. I can be part of this vision. It's not just a dream. We talked about that last week. It's not just something like, oh, wouldn't that be great? How many times he says, oh, wouldn't it be great if... But we do nothing about it. That's just a dream. A vision is going to be something we're going to be able to get in touch with and get connected with. Can you see it? Can you see that here at Christian Center? Can you attach your car to that vision of seeing these things come to pass? I believe God is going to do it. I saw a picture this morning. Are there any pharaoh equinologists in the room? Is that the train enthusiast? The train enthusiast. The pharaoh equinologist. Pharaoh Kahril, exactly. I saw a couple of engines, train engines, pulling a train load of cars. And these cars were full of cargo. Some of the cargo was essential. Some was, well, it was just unneeded. Cars had both essential things and some unneeded baggage on them. Part of the cargo was almost obscured in this, in this, and it was a quick vision. It was, and part of the cargo was obscured. And then God, I believe, revealed to me what it was. It was equipment and parts to make engines. But not just another an engine that would go and be put into something else. It was, a, it was an engine that would be able to turn the car, turn the freight car into an engine itself. So that it would be part of pulling the train instead of just being pulled by the train. See it? See it? We're not raising up children. We're raising adults. We're making disciples. But if we only have a couple of engines 
pulling all the cars, we're not going to be able to do as much. After so many cars get on board, we'll be done. We won't have the strength to pull it. But on each and every one of your cars, there is the equipment to turn you into an engine that will connect and begin to pull this train and so that we can pull more and more and more and more and we can reach the vision. A city full of disciples, people who are being saved. That's what the Bible says to go and make disciples. Both go and make disciples. That's what's gonna that's what's happening here. And I know that each and every one of us has had visions, and maybe you're in the middle of a vision that you had for your life. We get sidetracked and maybe you had a vision and, and you don't think it's going to come to pass anymore. And we do have to go through the process to say, is this vision from God or is it just something that I wanted? That's a process you have to go through. You've got to pray through and, and, and see if your vision lines up with the Word of God. Make sure that it's not just a selfish vision. Make sure it lines up with the Word of God. But even then, there are some things that aren't outside of the Bible that still God would say, no, that's not what I have for you. It's not that it's wrong. I have something different for you. Travis spent some time a few years back being a paint contractor. God said, no, painting's good. Painting's good, Pat. But I have something different for you. Good thing. But unless you're in the middle of God's will, it's, it's not the best. It's not what God has. Let's cast those visions aside and say, God, what's the, what's the vision that you have? The difficulties maybe have come up in your, in your vision, and, and that's a great time to say, is this of you? Maybe one of the things that's happened is that you haven't seen the completion of the vision. And so you're discouraged because it, it's, you've been working on it. It's been going and nothing's happened. There's a delay in completing it. And I want to tell you that that's often mistaken for failure because you don't see the results and you don't see the success of your vision. You know, success isn't the reaching of the vision. Andy Stanley says that success is remaining faithful to the process God has laid out for you. Success is staying faithful to the process, not of seeing all the fruit at the end. Stay faithful to the process in your in your success. Your six, your fruit may not even come until after your lifetime. Moses never got to realize he had it. God just gave him a peek as he died on the mountain. But Moses. Continued to lead the people, even in difficult times, even interceding for him, saying, Don't kill him, God. I'm sure he wanted to do it himself. In the process of your trying to come into fruition on your vision, you may have become convinced that you've done something wrong. You made a wrong turn, and, well, 
nothing beyond God's prayer. Sometimes we're fighting this vision so long we become, we actually become convinced that God is against us. We've done something to offend him and he's actually angry with us. God loves us so much. He loves you, has a plan for you. He wants to see his will accomplished in your life. He wants to see his will for this body accomplished. You've made a wrong turn. God loves you. Just get, let's just get back on track. God's not done. This morning, I'm going to share a song for a moment. The last, I believe, three times that she's been here, the last three times she's been here, this has been burning four times. This is the fourth time. This has been burning on her heart. And I believe this morning is the time to hear the words of the song. Let it minister to you. God is for you. He loves you. He has a plan for your life. But his plan for my life and for your life is greater than what we're living in. Almost guaranteed. He's got more for us than we're walking in. He sees the end better than we do. And he's trying to implant a vision inside. Now I want to encourage you. You may feel visionless this morning. One of the things that can help you find your own vision is to attach. And begin to serve in another vision for a time. As a body of Christ, if you're part of our body, there's a vision for this body and you're part of it. Begin to get into the vision of what we're doing. And as you get around people with vision, it begins to stir your own. Begin to see things in a different way when you're with somebody who's accomplishing the things that God has promised for them. It'll stir a vision up in you. But we have to know truly this morning that God is for us. He hasn't left you. He loves you. You can never do anything that will offend Him so much that He won't forgive you if you come to Him. You may have made poor decisions and God will restore you, fix it, like only He can. Let's let the song minister. And I want to invite, I want to invite people to come. Receive prayer and just come and spend time at the altar. I want all of us to just begin to soak in. Spend some time with God. You can come down if you want and, and just pray and soak in His presence and His love and forgiveness and mercy. Crying out, say, God, renew the vision inside of me. Help me to live beyond myself. Help me to stop living unrestrained. But let me focus on the things that you have for me. I want to be part of the vision you have for this city. Let's worship the Lord. Worship you, Lord God. We thank you, Jesus. You're so faithful, Father.
So gracious, so merciful and true, so wonderful in all you do. You fill me, you see me, you know my every move, and you love for me. To sing to you, Lord, and I, I know that you are for me, and I know that you are for me. I know that you will never forsake me in my weakness, and I know that you have come now, even if to ride upon my heart. To remind me of who you are. I really feel that there are some people here that need to sing this. Because sometimes when you sing it and you say it yourself, you're not just listening to somebody else. That's, that's nice. But I think that we need to say this. Amen. Because especially like Rob's been preaching about, when there are times that you lose sight of that vision you sometimes lose sight of the fact that God still has a grip on your life, right? right. <laughs> I mean, right. I know God. I grew up with the Lord, and I have struggled with that very thing so many times, and it's such a lie and that, like, you know, if you, this is my revelation. <laughs> if God were to stop working in my life and to not fulfill the calling on my life, I would be the first one in history. And I know I'm special, but I'm not that special. <laughs> Right? <laughs> okay? So I just want this to be an encouragement, not just that, like, oh, we're listening to this nice song, and it's, it's pretty, whatever. But I think that God really wants us to sing this to him because he's here to remind us of who he is. In, the, in, that, in that, we find who we are because we are hidden in Christ. So if we begin to become isolated from that vision and from that place that God's called us to, the very core of who we've been created to be, then we will lose sight of, of every, everything else. Does that make sense? So it's really easy. Obviously, it says, I know that you are for me. I know that you are for me. I know that, in my, that you will never forsake me in my weakness. 
So can we sing that together? Oh. Are you going to put it on the wall? Okay. Well, Father, we just thank you that you are faithful, Lord, that in your, you are faithful, Lord, when we are faithless, when we are at our bottom point in life, that you are still the one that never ceases, God. So faithful, so constant, Let's stand and make this the so loving of our faith. and so true. So powerful in all you do, you fill me, and you see me, and you know my every move, and you love for me to sing to you. So gracious, so merciful and true, so wonderful in all you do, you fill me, you see me, you know my every move, and you love for me to sing to you.
our circumstances, to see beyond the things that are happening, God. God, give us vision, God, to see finally these things come to fruition. And I pray, God, along the way that you would help us to walk restrained, walk restrained to reach the vision, God. God, keep us focused. Keep us undergirded, God, with the principles that we should live by according to the Word of God as we follow hard after you. Lord Jesus, hallelujah. of who God is. He's the lover of your soul. He's wonderful. He called you out of the darkness and he'll never leave or forsake you. You've got to remember who the devil is. He's the devil who lies to you. Don't believe a word he says. He's the father of lies. And if you've been told that you'll never accomplish the thing that God has put in front of you, it's a lie from the end. Remember who God is. Stand firm and strong on Him. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. He is for us. Who can be against us? Amen. Amen.